folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello and welcome back to The Fast and the Curious with me, Betty Glover, Christian Hugill and Greg James. And guys, we're all back together for the first time in what feels like ages. How are you both? Yay, we're back. I'm very well. Let's not worry about us, Christian. Betty, you've just run the bloody marathon. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. You know what? I'm still, I'm still alive. I'm still walking. I can, I can just about feel my legs. Um, Yeah, I feel, I feel all right though, you know, guys. I feel all right. Bit tired. So if I say anything stupid, then that is why. I don't mean this offensively, (laughs) but you look a lot better than I thought you would (laughs) post-marathon, if I'm completely (laughs) honest you look great i have one of those horrible regretful sundays where i'd timed a big night out so badly because you turn the tv on when you're hung over and you see the marathon runners and you think i'm the lowest of the low the most disgusting person in the country <laughs> look at all these wonderful people doing brilliant things for charity and being energetic before 9 a.m and then i here i'm here i am in a hotel in norwich trying desperately to find some water. Do you know what, though, Greg? You probably had a much better weekend yeah. than I did, in all fairness. Like, you, prob- you probably had fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of the great weekends, yeah. I, did, I, I regretted it for about five seconds and then went, oh, and let's have a Domino's. Yeah, do you know what? I would much rather be in a pub than running a marathon again, because that was painful. But anyway, look... We've got lots of business to attend to. This is The Fast and the Curious, our Formula One podcast co-hosted by the drivers. And I'm sorry that I've been a bit absent the last couple of weeks, but there's been some fantastic episodes. The George Russell chat was so, so great. What a lovely boy he is. George Russell just loves a toilet, loves meeting people in a toilet. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the last episode because <laughs> it was brilliant. Out of context, Betty Glover needs to become a thing soon because you don't ever attempt to contextualise. You come straight out with it which I think is a great thing but yeah it, uh, there's, there's slightly more to the toilet chat but yeah go back and find out so we're in this weird season break at the moment and we're desperate for a race and one is happening we'll get to that in a second Bessie can you tell everybody what is going on on today's Fast and the Curious please so we've got A very exciting new driver co-host that listeners won't have met before on this podcast, Chloe Grant. So she's going to be taking part in the opening race of the F1 Academy season in Austria this weekend. So we'll explain all about that and who she is. But she is so funny. It was your birthday quite recently. Uh, Yeah, March 20th, two weeks. It's a a sign of how busy Chloe is that she's just had to ask her mum when her own birthday was. Oh, it was a month ago. (laughs) Thanks, mum. Did you have a good birthday? Yeah, it was good. Um, It was testing in Barcelona. No, yes, yes, it was. It was testing in Barcelona. Somewhere. (laughs) It was Barcelona. It was. So you'll hear so much more from her and also her mum, Sharon, later in the show as well, (laughs) as the excitement builds. We love Sharon. Driver's mum co-hosts needs to become more of a thing and you'll see why once you meet Sharon. Yeah, absolutely. But because of this break, it's been really interesting. I don't know about you guys, but just seeing what all of the drivers have been up to during this break because they all kind of do different things. When we spoke to George Russell, like he kind of seems to be a little bit more serious. He went and watched the tennis, spoke to Novak Djokovic. But then there's like all sorts of other things going on. Lewis Hamilton we saw was at Coachella, but he's also, guys been in disguise. Christian, do you want to just describe what Lewis Hamilton's been up to recently? The reason Lewis Hamilton was at Donington Park 
a little racing circuit in Leicestershire near my mum and dad's is because his brother Nicholas is a racing driver. He races in the British Touring Car Championship. Uh, Nick, in true Hamilton fashion, has overcome an awful lot in his career because Nick's got cerebral palsy, but races with specially adapted cars has done amazingly well. But obviously, Lewis is busy jetting to Monte Carlo and everything, and that's no disrespect to Donington, not quite Donington Park. So he went in a little bit of a disguise (laughs) to Donington, which I'm obsessed with. But the disguise wasn't... It was just Lewis Hamilton in a big coat. That's what Lewis Hamilton looks like on the side of a racetrack anyway. It just looked like a Lewis Hamilton disguise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the video? He's like there with his hood up and then there's like people kind of next to him basically in the stand. So maybe people, he probably would have got a bit too much attention. But for me, right, did you see his shoes? <laughs> yeah, they're Lewis Hamilton's shoes. He's let himself down on the shoes. Look, if you're if you're trying to hide yourself, <laughs> just... Go the full hog. Do you know what I mean? But, like, don't give it away with your bloody shoes, Lewis. They look like designer... I don't even know what they were, but they were, like, bright red, so obvious. They are rich person shoes. Absolutely. Like, if you're going to do it, Lewis, do it properly. What would you suggest? What what would be a better disguise, Betty? Well, I actually Googled Lewis Hamilton in disguise earlier, trying to find this this picture in the video up there. And I actually saw... Of course she did. I actually saw a time when he went and surprised some young kids who were engineers once. And he actually went full hog. Like, he had a hat, glasses, a bearded mask and everything. And he looked completely different. And I thought, go on, Lewis, that's what you need to do at Donington, mate. Betty, when we get Lewis Hamilton back on the podcast again, I'd like you to give him some ideas for costumes. What what, what would you suggest for next time? Well, he needs to dress up as a granny, doesn't he, really, Greg? Like, I just, I think that is the thing that he needs to do because nobody, <sighs> nobody would know it was him if there was a granny stood there at Donington Park. So you're, you're suggesting next time he needs to go full Doubtfire. <laughs> yes, full Mrs. Doubtfire, please, Lewis. It would cause pile-ups on the corner. Everyone would be like, bloody hell, why is Mrs. Doubtfire watching? <laughs> it might be a bit too obvious, might it? You might be like, hmm, that is somebody dressed up as a grandma. But worth a go. We should say well done to Nick, because Nick got P6. Great result for him. And also, like, touring cars, it's on the telly. Like, it's, it's not Formula One, but it's a proper race series. So you totally know who Lewis Hamilton was. I'm fascinated to know, and there could easily be someone listening to this who was there, was he mobbed at any point? Because it didn't look like from the social media pictures that people had twigged that he was there. I'm just fascinated by it. My friend Simon is a British touring car journalist and I've just texted him. So maybe we can see, find out if anyone knew he was there or not. On the subject of um, touring cars, Christian, that was probably my first foray into racing as a kid i used to play toka touring cars on the playstation oh iconic game now you're going back one of the greatest ever yeah I used to really l- love the idea of being a touring car driver thought that that would thought that might be my destiny one well, day i went really hung over at uni once and i've got vivid memories the motorsport addicts that i am falling asleep in the sun on the side at, at donnington on the side of the track, watch with the you know the cars. All of a sudden, when you're a hungover twenty-one <laughs> year old, have a sort of relaxing. Did growing up next to Donington inform your passion as a racing enthusiast or as a as a driver, young driver? Do you think it helped because we, me and Dad, went to a couple of events there. So you, so you could hear. Yeah, it definitely helped. And I remember going once to a Formula One event where they used to have two seaters, and. 
like you'd get a celeb in the back. They don't make these anymore. And I believe the celeb was Carol Vorderman off of Countdown, legend. Yes. She loves F1. And right in front of us at Donington, the two of these two-seater F1 cars had a massive crash into each other. And it was like, oh my God, they've killed Carol Vorderman. Thank God they hadn't. Uh, but <laughs> it was a massive crash. But it was all fun. So yeah. And, and that was the same weekend where I met Fernando Alonso for the first time as a full-on child who I'd later interview, like 15 years later. He was signing stuff. Like, you know, when F1, you know, we had this with Oscar Piastri when he signs the cap and they have like these paint pens so they can sign stuff. The paint pen that the team had given him exploded in his hand. So me and Fernando Alonso got covered in this yellow paint from this thing. And he's never washed his hands since. (laughs) It was an eventful weekend. And I met Murray Walker, the legendary commentator, wow. did all sorts at Donington Park. That's incredible. Well, look, so the, the answer to my question is yes, it did inform your, yeah. your life as a, as a motoring nerd. <laughs> you mentioned Fernando Alonso. I feel like this is an opportunity to... You're waving at me like a madman. What's up? Before we move on to Fernando Alonso, I've got breaking news. Oh, God, here we go. Is it McLaren news or...? It's not McLaren news. It's Lewis Hamilton in disguise news. So my friend Simon... Oh, yeah has said, um, I wasn't there myself. He wasn't covering this particular event. From what I heard, there were rumours of him being there and sightings of him travelling between the team truck and garage. I think he generally stayed off the radar. Certainly no mass hysteria. So there was rumours at Donington Park. It's like, we heard Lewis Hamilton's here, mm. but no one actually discovered the disguise. Betty Glover would have straight away. I would have, yeah. This is the thing, though, about Lewis Hamilton or a sports person of that mm. level. You can't really go anywhere quietly. But So he's done as, as well as he possibly could there, even with those red shoes on. Yeah. Let's go back to Fernando Alonso. Can you imagine the frenzy? That If this is real, so, what, so let's just go through the rumour. The rumour is that Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift are dating. <laughs> And even saying it out loud, it sounds like I've had a bump to the head, and that is wild. Uh, I can only imagine some of the stuff that's been on the news the last few days. They're from two different worlds, but it turns out they knew each other all too well. Played all too well. (laughs) (laughs) That's dreadful. All that sort of stuff. What do you actually know? I'm just going, go Betty, your hand's raised, go. I, I've been kind of doing a bit of investigative journalism on this and I saw, I was on Fernando's TikTok and have you seen the video that he's posted? Like, he's absolutely loving this, by the way. Like, he's properly capitalising on this news line. And did you see this latest TikTok where he's playing Taylor Swift's song Karma in what looks like a desk chair and he's just sat there and he's kind of like turning in his chair and then he just winks at the camera. Oh my God. <laughs> he's like properly going for it. Like he, he loves it. Taylor Swift, one of the great pop stars, one of the great lyricists, Fernando Alonso, one of the great sports people ever. So two really nice people. What a great coupling that would be. Can you imagine what, what if they break up, what Taylor Swift's new new songs will be like? And someone wrote, she would definitely write something like, lights out and away we go, but you were the one who didn't show. And just <laughs> lyrics like that. <laughs> we're all, as a society, quite sad, aren't we? But we love it. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm fully part of it. But already people are imagining what the breakup would be like of a couple that's not even confirmed to be together. Do you know what I love most? I love the idea that Taylor Swift and Fernando Alonso know each other and are friends. 
I think that if that's if that's true, that's really funny. I'm obsessed with her asking Fernando questions about Formula One. So it's like, but explain to me, Aston Martin was seventh <laughs> last year and now they're on the podium. <laughs> What's this I hear about a sliding scale of aerodynamics? To explain that one to me. That's how Taylor Swift sounds, obviously. That accent, I think, is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> how are you going to stop Red Bull? <laughs> Shall we move on, guys? Let's move on. Yeah, let's move, move on. on. Let's move on. I enjoyed that. As much as I love hearing your American um, impressions, guys, I think we need to move on. Um, as always, we've got so many listeners' questions that have come in through Instagram, through email, through TikTok. A reminder, you can get in touch with us on all of those platforms. Fast and Curious at acast.com is the email you need. Insta, we're on Fast Curious Pod. And on TikTok, we're the Fast and the Curious Pod. So if you have any burning questions that you want to put to any of us three or any of our co-host drivers, please let us know. But um, we had this one in from Beth on email, pretty relevant to this weekend's race in Baku because it's related to the world of F1 sprint races. Christian, for anyone that doesn't actually know about sprint races, before we go into Beth's email, what's going on there? Do you want to just quickly explain? Explain that for everyone listening. A sprint race is a shorter race that happens on a Saturday. It is about a third of the usual race distance of a full Grand Prix. And the top eight drivers score reduced points. A sprint race is a thing in a lot of motorsport categories. It's only, it's still relatively new to Formula One. And Betty, as you're about to ask, there might be a little bit of a change to the sprint this year. Yeah, so let's go into it then. This is Beth's question. She says, there's rumours that the format is going to change in Baku. Is that going to happen? And do you see the sprint format replacing traditional qualifying like some people say it might? I hope not, as it doesn't seem to add to the racing. Uh, Do I see the sprint format replacing traditional qualifying full time? No, I absolutely don't. I don't think that's going to happen. There are rumours that the format will change in Baku. Is that going to happen? Probably there will be a change of some sort. So the argument against the sprint race format before was that you'd have um, qualifying on a Friday and then sprint race on a Saturday and then sprint race would set the grid for Sunday. And people said, well, qualifying on Friday is a bit rubbish. It sort of devalues qualifying. So Formula One's answer to that is they want to bring in a new format for the sprint races this weekend it would work like this you'd have a practice session on friday morning this weekend in baku 10 30 on friday you'd then have the grand prix qualifying so qualifying for sunday saturday at 10 30 you then have qualifying for the sprint race then you'd have the sprint qualifying on saturday and then you'd have the main race on sunday as normal which we did qualifying for on a friday I quite like it because it doesn't devalue qualifying. It means we're watching qualifying on Friday and we know that that qualifying, the result of that qualifying session will happen on a Sunday. I I suppose what's not ideal about it is that it's all being bought in quite last minute. The rumour is, again, none of this is confirmed, that the teams have all agreed to it. Basically, Formula One and the teams go, we want to do this. Motorsport Council, will you give us permission? That is the rumour. We've said before, I think I specifically said before, it feels like they're making it up as they go along. This is only adding fuel <laughs> to that theory. <laughs> yeah, and, and listen, the thing is, also, F1 is quite open that it hasn't perfected the sprint format yet and that a lot of fans want to see sprint racing. A lot don't, but a lot do. And they're sort of being open, Greg, and sort of saying that. And like, listen, we know we haven't quite perfected it yet. We're going to try things. 
they've done it in the past when they've changed qualifying. Like before they brought in this qualifying system, they said, we'll try this and see if it works. So there is a bit of an element of that. And you kind of think fair play because some F1 in the past, it was like, we will never change anything. This is how Formula One is. And if you don't like it, go away. So I do kind of have sympathy that they're now a bit like, eh, we're going to change things and we'll see if it works. Hang on, past fast and curious host. It's me, Christian Hugill here from the future. Anyway, uh, we've had an update on all those predictions and to save you, the listener, having to Google check what the you know final plan was, I'm here to tell you we were pretty much bang on. So this is the way sprint sessions will work from here on in. On Friday, there'll be a practice one. Then there'll be a Grand Prix qualifying for the main race on Sunday. Then we forget that for Saturday. Saturday morning has the sprint shootout, which is Formula One's exciting new name for sprint qualifying. Then there will be the F1 sprint. Then on Sunday, we do the Grand Prix as normal. And remember, we had qualifying for that on Friday. Are you with me? Excellent. Back to past fast and curious hosts. Good day. Speaking of changing things, uh, a bit like the FIA, I decided to, when you, when you announced what the Instagram and the TikTok handles were, Bessie, it annoyed me they weren't the same. So in that last five minutes, I have just changed the TikTok one so it's now in line with Instagram. I am like the FIA. I just act on what I think the people are going to want. And I think the people are going to want <laughs> consistency in their handles. He just does it. So they're both Fast Curious Pod now. Yes, they are. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, I'm glad about that. <laughs> We've listened and we move. Speaking of Instagram, I've got a question from Claire. Can I read it out? Yes, please do. I'll answer Does it. the spending cap include all of the team's travel expenses or is it literally the money that they can spend on the car? I can imagine, says Claire, a mechanic putting in a meal deal receipt that tips Mercedes over the edge and it means they can't get Lewis a new tyre at the end of the season. <laughs> right, let me say what is included in the cost cap. So Now, and can I just say this? Can you make the cost cap interesting? Because cost cap sounds fucking boring. <laughs> um, can I make the cost cap interesting? I am challenged on this podcast. Jimmy, producer Jimmy's just coming back. Jimmy, can I have some really dramatic music under this? Like I need properly dramatic, right? Yeah, yeah, is that okay? Cue the music. If you break the cost cap, you could be thrown out of the Formula One World Championship. No way, say it ain't so, Christian. <laughs> it is true. All of your points could disappear forever. It's time to explain the cost cap. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> How was that? Yeah, you're an idiot and brilliant. Right, what is included in the, so the cost cap's been bought in to try and make Formula One about who does the best job rather than who spends the most money, like Ferrari and Mercedes always would, okay? So, in that cost cap, what is included, all parts on the car, all elements needed to run the car, so we'll say, make the bloody car, most of the team personnel, not all of them, confusingly, most of them, so like, most of the cost of having staff, garage equipment, spares, transport costs, most things in between, basically anything to do with the racing. What doesn't come under the salary cap are the driver's salaries. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can still pay Lewis Hamilton $300 billion. I was going to say, that's interesting because most other sports, it's all about the salaries, right? Yeah, yeah. Not here. Not here. Also, 
See also the wages of the three highest paid members of staff also not included in the salary cap. Right, hang on. For, for example, who, who would those three people be? So is it the, the chief, the, so it's the team principal, chief engineer, and who else? It's probably someone who heads up aerodynamics. Right, okay. Probably. A poindexter. Uh, yeah. So if you're at Red Bull, Adrian Newey. Okay, cool. Uh, travel costs not included. I'm guessing, therefore, that means claiming for your lunch, probably not included. Um, and then it's really boring, so I'm going to read it off really quickly. Marketing spend, property and legal costs, entry and license fees, any non-F1 or road car activities, parental and sick leave payments, employee bonus and staff medical benefits. Not included. Well, actually, the, the marketing spend is not a boring point. That's actually interesting because that Red Bull, for example, and Mercedes having all that money, you know, they can they just pay for advertising and, you know, great social media people. and all that. So that is interesting. And that's not included in the cost cap, which, as you said, Betty... In a, for example, you know, a rugby team or many, many sports, but a rugby team, you know, you have to, you're only allowed to spend a certain amount on all the players put together, but you can just throw 100 million at your driver if you want yeah, to. Yeah, and of course, like cost caps are put in place, aren't they, to make sure that you kind of get like, you don't have one team that just runs away with it all the time. Therefore, you can't pay, you know, players ridiculous amounts of money um, and there's a cap there. So otherwise one team could have all the best players and, you know, they'll run away with the the championship every season. Whereas in F1, they don't take that into account, which is really interesting. Also, Red Bull were found in a minor breach of the cost cap last year Mm. and as punishment have had less development time on the car this year. Uh, which people are saying, well, might that, you know, come into account later in the season when Mercedes, Ferrari and, and Aston Martin are playing catch up. So the cost caps, it, it's a big talking point in F1 in recent years. How do you police having time taken away? I can tell you that. I asked that question in the week to someone. I wondered whether it would be like a fairly stern looking headmaster or quite a boring man with a clipboard who just sort of walks around wearing a tweed jacket or something. Apparently Mm. not. Apparently, like, say your team owns a wind tunnel. There are security cameras all over this wind tunnel that the FIA have access to. Oh, wow. So they're like spies. Yeah, proper big brothers watching you. Yeah. How about we get a guest on? I, I really want to hear from from Chloe, a, a young driver, not just a young driver, sort of a proper fledgling driver. This is Chloe Grant who we're going to have on the podcast, and I've not really heard her being interviewed anywhere. This is this is quite exciting. Did you have a nice time chatting to her? Such a lovely time. She was so lovely. Yeah, we had such a good time. She's only seventeen years old, by the way, which is just remarkable considering what she's doing. And she's going to be racing in the F1 Academy, which gets started this week with ART. Christian, explain to everyone maybe what the F1 Academy is. F1 Academy is a new championship that is designed to promote women's racing designed to get more women in high profile racing seats and hopefully promote women going into the 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 formula one ladder so underneath formula one there's formula two there's formula three also there's another competitive um female racing series called w series and and f1 academy hopes to feed all of those categories and bring more women into formula one because formula one There could be women racing. There is no reason. And this is a question I get asked all the time. Why aren't there any women in Formula One? And it's because historically it's been a sport ran by men. It's been a, you know, a a slightly sexist sport historically. 
physically, there is no reason why men and women couldn't compete in Formula One at the same level. And that is really what the, you know, people in motor racing want to see. So F1 Academy is hoping to promote that. It's going to be 15 women, three drivers across five teams racing in effectively Formula Four cars. And as we say, the aim is to be a feeder series for F3, F2 and eventually F1. The season gets going this weekend in Austria. It's a different schedule to F1. They race at different parts of the world to Formula One, except for the Texas Grand Prix in October, where the F1 Academy season reaches its climax and will be racing as part of the schedule for the Texas Grand Prix weekend, which is brilliant. Yeah, and we caught up with her, didn't we, Christian? She was in a hotel somewhere um, in France, I think. And um, she, France, yeah. yeah. And she spoke to us in the evening over Zoom. We had a really good chat with her and, um, and her mum as well during her final practice in the lead up to the start of the season. Let's give a very fast and curious welcome to Chloe Grant. Chloe, welcome on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> and Chloe, I'm guessing you are ludicrously excited to start this latest step in your already illustrious motorsport career. And I say already illustrious because you're 17 and have achieved a ridiculous amount in that time. Yeah, yeah, I am really looking forward to the first round. Um, I am slightly nervous as na you naturally are, yeah. But yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. The girls, you know, they're all they're all good. They're tough competition. So yeah, it'll be a good racing. It's a stepping stone to make to the, make it to the top, basically. Um, but it's a huge, the point of it is it's a huge, huge financial opportunity for women. There's a lot less amount of girls in motorsport than there is men so that's why you know there's not a lot of us you know at the top or really around in general so giving us this opportunity to show what we can actually do and have that financial backing um, and it's purely just down to our talent to then progress it's yeah it's a brilliant opportunity but we hope obviously as time moves on there will be more women at the very top level of motorsport and that's of course partly why formula one academy has been set up because I guess it's not just also, Chloe, from your perspective about, you know, a financial opportunity, which of course it is, but it's also just highlighting women's racing and giving women the opportunity to put themselves out there into the spotlight, into the full glare of the public eye. With F1, such a limited amount of people make it there, but, you know, you need to be genuinely talented and actually, you know have the budget as well uh, but like I said there's such a small amount of women in it and then you have to find the ones who genuinely have the talent which is all the 15 girls on the grid this year so it's very very exciting and then obviously now we've got the budget and hopefully that progresses and hopefully we do see you know a woman in Formula One within the next you know five to ten years hopefully. I was just wondering what kind of like journey do you kind of have in mind like where do you see yourself going in the next five years? I honestly have no idea, but you know, for me, I my ultimate goal is to become, you know, a professional racing driver to make a living out of this, make a living out of my sport, and you know, then hopefully I can go and coach you younger girls as well that are coming into the sport and just help out in any way that I can to try give back to it. How did you get into motorsport then? Like, what do you love so much about it? I got into uh, motorsport ten years ago because my my older sister Lucy she raced before I did, uh, but I think a, a year or two prior to me starting, I basically just watched her, uh, you know, at karting, you know, around just around Scotland. Um, in twenty thirteen, I finally decided I was like, oh, dad, can can I have a shot? Yeah, 
and you know he he willingly said yes not knowing what it was leading to and <laughs> what would be 10 years later I don't think any of us knew that because it was just a hobby for me at the start um, but then obviously I progressed and fell in love more and more with the sport just with the speed you know the adrenaline getting the results you know that that good that feeling that good feeling when you win um so yeah I I was looking at your Instagram earlier and I saw that there's a picture of you and you must have been like five or six or seven and you're there like sat in a like I don't know what it was to be honest like a little car thing and you looked so young so like you've it's obviously something that you've just done and just like loved for for a very very long time yeah I mean it is is literally my entire life now my whole life revolves around motorsport uh Everything, every single thing I do, you know, constantly training for it. So yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely. I'd say it's the love of my life. <laughs> Christian would say the same. I would. I, I would say Formula One is one of the loves of my life. Yeah. If if Steve's listening, I should probably say not the only love. But yeah. And 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 speak as well. I tell you what. Speaking of loves of life, have you also fallen in love, Chloe? Because I've been doing a little bit of investigative work. Have you also fallen in love with Loughborough? Because we've got something in common. I understand you're a Loughborough College student. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> now, Loughborough's my hometown. Oh, okay. <laughs> Grew up minutes away from Loughborough. So how have we found... I once saw Rizzle Kicks on the Loughborough College campus. Oh, so my God. But you've probably never even heard of Rizzle Kicks. I mean... <laughs> No. <laughs> Chloe's 17 for God's sake She's I know I only just realised that it was literally 10 years ago Chloe was 7 um, anyway now I feel old how have we found most important question Chloe how are we finding Loughborough yeah no Loughborough's good um, so I'm on a Motorsport UK course shocking and it's just for two weeks every month it's it's a short course purely just because you know we are all drivers and they want us to obviously have the time to commit to our racing and not have too much college work to do but no, it's really good. I enjoy it. And I especially love the fact that I'm just surrounded by all my mates who race cars as well. I would suggest one of the advantages of that is that you don't have to spend too much time in Loughborough. That must be something that you you found a good thing there. <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to say that. It's fine. I can get away with saying that. But it's my hometown. Chloe, we want to get to know you a little bit more as well. Another person, something we all have in common, me, Betty and Greg on this podcast is the love of dogs. And I've spotted a dog pops up on your Instagram very frequently. That'd be Sandy. Yeah, she's also the love of my life. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's actually 10 years old as well. She looks about five, but she's 10. Um, she's a cockapoo. She, yeah, she's she's adorable. She looks so cute. Do you do you try and take her with you when you travel travel the world, or is that not possible? Unfortunately, not. No, she stays at home, um, and then she just kind of so I disappear for a while. Then I randomly come back, and she's still very excited. And <laughs> eventually, she could be like Roscoe, Lewis Hamilton's dog, and you could just walk into the paddock, and you're like, "Yeah, the dog's with me," and that's because I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. One of the things we found with our driver co-hosts from the Formula One world is that they've often like grown up racing against people who they're now racing against in Formula One. Have you got any sort of nice on-track rivalries with any of the people from uh, F1 Academy or even friendships, any close friends are you racing up against? How many of the girls do you know? Because they say 15 drivers across five teams. How many of them do you know? I know Jess Edgar... Megan Gilks, um, Abby. Um, I only met my teammates this year, but prior, yeah, I knew all of Carlin. Uh, I knew Chloe Chong as well. Um, apart from that, yeah, I've only just met all the other girls this year. Any fierce rivalries with them? Anyone you are absolutely determined to beat at all costs? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is a great answer. One of the conversations that we've had um, is with George Russell and he told us that um, they all have a WhatsApp group. Do you have a WhatsApp group with all of your drivers in the F1 Academy? No, I I kind of just, I think I'm closest with Jessica Edgar. Uh, we talk quite frequently, but just between us two. So yeah, but it's, it's quite fun when we have a bit of spare time and our tr- we like poke our heads out to see if the other one's there and then we like run over to just speak for a bit. But yeah, no. The F1 WhatsApp group hasn't been around forever. So maybe there's going to be an F1 Academy WhatsApp group. So maybe Chloe, you could start <laughs> I could. I, I noticed that on could. She's basically like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I might do. We'll, we'll see, we'll see. Definitely not. Um, Chloe, how did you find out that you had a place in the F1 Academy then? Like, how did the selection process work? Well, I heard about F1 Academy about end of October time last year. We had a contact um, through a, a, a well-known British team who got us in touch with um, ART and you know we just arranged to go out to their their headquarters and I uh, went on their simulator we basically saw how well we worked together they judged me as a driver based off their sim and yeah and then I think about a week less than a week later my dad got a text message or an email I think no it was an email <laughs> an email saying um that I ba- they basically accepted me and that they wanted to progress and, you know, obviously get everything sorted out before the season and get testing. And, yeah, so that, that was a very, very good day. <laughs> what did that feel like when you when you found that out? Um, she cried. Yeah, Mum just said I cried. <laughs> <laughs> Mum in the background. <laughs> What's your mum called? Sharon. <laughs> hey, Sharon. <laughs> Hang up, right, no, no, forget this. Sharon, come to the mic. <laughs> Chloe, you're great, but hi, Sharon, I'm Christian. Hey, hey Sharon. Sharon, I want to make sure we get a, a truthful representation of this question. So what what was she like? Were the, what were the tears like? <laughs> yeah, she is renowned for having a, a hard heart. She doesn't shed tears easily, so, yeah, they broke her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Were you shocked when you found out that you got that place, Chloe? Um... I wouldn't say shocked. I think we had a really good feeling walking away from ART, but we just we had but we had no idea what they were gonna do. But we had a good like you know you have a gut feeling. What sort of racing mum is Sharon, Chloe? Is she uh can you see her on the side of the track going wild like my dad used to when I was karting? Or is she cool, calm and collected? Um, a bit of a mix. She's she obviously wants me to do well, but she's not calm. She gets a bit panicked at times and just stresses herself out. It's a stressful thing, motorsport. And was there a, was there some sort of party when you found out you got into the academy? Uh, yeah, we had family around, I think, the next night, uh, just for dinner. Mum and dad have a celebration. Was there a bottle of champagne popped? Yeah, Lucy a... and my yeah, Lucy and my mum, they popped a bottle of champagne and scared Sandy. So. Oh, poor Sandy. <laughs> when I saw Sharon, I thought, you know what? She likes a good glass of champagne. I could tell. <laughs> I could see it. I was like, I'd like to have a drink with Sharon. <laughs> Sharon's coming to the Fast and Curious end of season party. And as are you, Chloe, of course. Um, and... <laughs> She's laughing in the background. <laughs> um, and speaking of a party, we're getting to know the F1 Academy in the course of this episode. We've already said it's a brand new series. We've already said 15 drivers across five teams, 21 races across seven events. So three races per sort of weekend. With the last weekend being at the actual F1 US Grand Prix in Texas. Now, I am supremely jealous of this because Texas is really high on my hit list. 
But that is going to be mad, right, Chloe? Being part of the F1 circus in Texas, you, you must be buzzing about that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be just a whole other experience, let alone being European, I think. Yeah, America's a whole other level, and let alone being with the Formula One. And and does mum get to come, most importantly? Yes, of course mum gets to come. Yes! Sharon's not missing out on that, is she? She's going to be there, waiting at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, that's the last weekend of the season. And, and do you know, going into it, Chloe, what you're sort of hoping for? Are you, if we relate it to Formula One, like... Our friends at Williams, like Logan Sargent's not going into his first season in Formula One going, I want to win the championship. But obviously, this is a completely new series, completely new teams. It's a lot more of an even keel than, than say, Formula One. How do you know where to aim for? Are you going in being like, I want to win, and that is only, the, that's all that matters? Or are you, or is there a slightly more different way of judging the series well I think I think everybody obviously wants to win and I'm I you know I want to win as well but when you look at it in a realistic way you know quite a lot of the girls you know they did W or they did Formula Regional they have a lot more experience than me and quite a few of the other drivers as well so it's it's a mix um it would be amazing is top three uh but you know I think more realistic for me is aiming for top five um, but, you know, I, I want to win. I want to get the results. I want to show what I'm actually capable of. Even when we're doing the test and it's it, like, it, it's difficult to tell because everyone does a different plan, you know. People go new at different times and some people are still on old rubber. So it's really difficult. I don't think we'll actually know who's the quickest until qualifying at Red Bull Ring. And how are you preparing for your first race? What, and what are your kind of first race nerves like? I'm not nervous yet, but I'll be nervous when I get in the car to start it's kind of just a routine really it's just constantly training you know when I'm home it's gym sim every single day uh obviously you have to have that rest day to let your body you know recover and then yeah but I don't really get that many days home flying back out to Red Bull Ring and then after Red Bull Ring we're straight to Valencia for the second round already so yeah it's, it's pretty intense for the next few weeks. How much has your life changed kind of since you've got into the F1 Academy? You know it is the schedule is constant you're always busy and especially with the training as well. See, I'm definitely, I very, very, very rarely have any any free time. <laughs> well, we're very grateful for you uh, giving us a bit of free time when you've been literally testing today. Because we've not really spoken about this, have we? But you're sat in what looks like, and I could be doing this a massive disservice here, but it looks like a bit of a travel lodge sort of setup. And you're in, no. you've been testing in France, right? <laughs> Chloe is insulted. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in the Grand Prix Hotel next to Pauly Card. Is that posh? Is it, like, what are we talking? Yeah, I would say so. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit posh. <laughs> is it? Chloe's face when you said travel lodge, like her draw <laughs> drop. Genuinely, I'll be honest, I thought... I'd mucked up massively and they were actually like uh, Chloe's face was like I'd like insulted the dog or something Chloe looked like (laughs) devastated at me I I didn't mean to obviously you're quite attached to the hotel but I didn't think it looked massively luxurious but I'm very happy to what's the hotel called Uh, the Grand Prix Hotel the Grand Prix Hotel it's a fine hotel that I would highly recommend if you're in the Paul Ricard area of (laughs) France there we are if they'd like to sponsor the podcast they're very welcome because the rooms look luxurious I would say really vastly beyond a travel lodge Betty why don't you take over I can't even remember what you were asking Chloe no I can't I can't believe right that we have spoken about popping bottles of champagne celebrations 
et cetera, et cetera. And we haven't talked about the fact that it was your birthday quite recently. Uh, yeah, March 20th, two weeks. It's a, it's a sign of how busy Chloe is that she's just had to ask her mum when her own birthday was. <laughs> I forgot my birthday. Oh, it was a month ago. <laughs> Thanks, mum. <laughs> um, how, like, I can't believe that A, you're only 17 and you're kind of embarking on this kind of ridiculous journey that is just seeing your life change so much. But did you have a good birthday? Yeah, it was good. Um, it was testing in Barcelona. No, yes, yes, it was. It was testing in Barcelona. <laughs> I don't know where you were. I was testing somewhere. It was, was in Barcelona. A car. It was. I was going to say, if you're 17, that means that you will have just passed your driving test, right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I don't know how I got so lucky because obviously there's quite a de- delay with getting tests due to COVID. So I turned 17 on the 20th, then I came home, 27th, I passed my theory. And that was on a Monday. And then the fall, that same Friday that week, I passed my uh, practical. Ooh, well done. And you did it first time? Yeah. I'd like most of the F1 drivers we've had. <laughs> yeah, and me. I was useless. Yeah, me too. But I think a lot of F1 drivers fail because they're so used to driving a car in a completely different way. So did you have to keep reminding yourself, like, no, I cannot be going too fast or I can't be doing this, that or the other or whatever? Was it weird? Personally, for me, no, because I learned how to drive a car when I was 13 at my dad's workshop. And for me, it's just a different mindset to have. Um, you know, you don't, you're in a completely different setting. You're not in a single seater. You're in a car for the road. You're not got the safety measures, not got a helmet on, not got all that stuff. So for me, it's just adapting. Like, it's like adapting to the weather, uh, the conditions when you know you're out in your race car. It's just adapting to a different situation where you have to behave differently. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? That's the difference between us, Betty, and actual professional racing drivers who have a skill and don't just talk rubbish into a microphone chloe listen we've loved having you on and we will obviously uh, keep an eye on the f1 academy as we're going through the series so any questions that you've got uh, about the formula one academy you can email us fast and curious at acast.com chloe if you'd love to come back on you can help us answer a few of them when you're next back on would that be okay with you that would be very much okay with me and also will sharon come back on as well yeah, she says yes. I am really looking forward to hearing about your first race and how it goes and just watching you and just watching your career unfold and seeing what happens because it's so exciting. Thank you. Oh, that is fantastic. I love that. Loved it. A very, very happy, pleased team principal over here. And <laughs> Chloe, the, answering your question, anyone you're really keen to beat? All of them. <laughs> that's it. I love that. I love that confidence. But that's why these people are different. They're they're wired differently to us mere mortals. Well, good luck to, or I should say go well. Go well. Because it's superstition. You know, go well came about because superstition. You don't say good luck. It's bad luck to say good luck. So you say go well. So go well to Chloe Grant as their season gets going. And the Formula One season restarts. We've got a restart. And that's exciting. Formula One loves a restart and we're back in Baku, bless you, this weekend. (laughs) Christian, can you tell us? I can't. You know when your brain can't stop you doing something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, there's no way that I can't say Baku without actually saying bless you or saying bless you in my head. Oh, I'm going to hear that all weekend. You've slightly ruined the Grand Prix for everyone now, I think. Everyone's going to be, welcome back to Baku, bless Bless you. you. Baku, bless you. So... (laughs) 
tell us all about the type of race we can expect normally. What are the conditions? I really like the Baku track because you sort of, it is a street circuit. And when you think of a street circuit, you think of it being tight and twisty. It is tight and twisty in places, but in other places it's it's quite wide and there's plenty of room for overtaking. So it's a bit of a modern street circuit. Also, it's it looks really pretty. You see the cars going past like, the castle and the architecture of Baku. It's a great one to sit and watch. It's a brilliant, and it's a really fast circuit. Great. The start finish straight is huge. And it usually gives us a really exciting Grand Prix. So it's a really good one for Formula One to sort of kick off again. And we will have a sprint race of some description as well, which again, quite often causes chaos. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun this weekend. And actually, I'd love to hear from someone who was actually at the race as well. I think that'd be fantastic. Mm. So if there's somebody listening who... Uh, it's going to be there. We'd love to hear from you. So email, please email us um, at our usual address, which is fastandcurious at acast.com. So go on then, who's winning? Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen is going to win the Grand Prix again, guys. We're going to see it again. It's just what this season's going to be like. Just got to embrace no, I'm it. going Fernando. What, what are you saying, Christian? It's a quick track and Red Bull are difficult to catch on the straights. I, I would love to do a Greg and go, I think Fernando will win it, but I don't. I do think Max will win it. Uh, but if ever there's a race where you often get accidents, it's not a certainty. Nothing is ever certain. Um, as the great Murray Walker, legendary Formula One commentator, used to say, anything could happen in Formula One, and it usually does. Maybe Lewis Hamilton will be inspired by his trip to Donington in his puffer coat and his red trainers, and he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be a renewed man and and win Baku. Well, we will find out and bring you all the best bits and the fun bits from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix on the next episode of The Fast and the Curious. I've thoroughly enjoyed being back with you today. It's been really, really fun, hasn't it? Have you had a nice time? I've had a lovely day and a lovely week. (laughs) 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 Greg, we've loved having you back. We've loved it. If you want to email us any questions or any comments or anything... Fun, then <laughs> anything fun, anything you like, anything fun. Fast and curious at acast.com. And we'll be back. Hey, do you fancy doing a little post Baku um, <laughs> podcast? Yeah, should we say we'll do one unless it's properly rubbish? If it's yeah. dull, we just won't bother. But I'm if, on board. If, if something happens, then yeah, we'll be there. So the best thing to do is to subscribe, subscribe to the feed and then there will be one that will pop up on Sunday afternoon. If we if we agree that the Grand Prix is good. If it's hit the bar. <laughs> yeah. If the Grand Prix is shit, then you won't be hearing from us. Thank you and good night. 